This is nutrition we're talking about. We're not talking about medicine. And nutrition is in your control as a consumer. Hello, and welcome to the science and the story behind Omega-3, a podcast brought to you by Wiley Companies, where we explore one of the most researched nutrients on the planet. Listen in as global Omega-3 experts and researchers translate the science, reveal personal insights, and share their stories of discovery while navigating the sea of Omega-3 science. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's your host, Greg Lindsay. Yes, and welcome to another episode of the science and the story behind Omega-3, where we talk with experts from all over the world. And I am so excited today. My guest is one of the most influential Omega-3 researchers on the planet. Since 1980, his research is focused on omega-3 fatty acids and human lipid metabolism, platelet function, cardiovascular and neurocognitive disease, and most recently, he founded the Fatty Acid Research Institute, a nonprofit entity to foster research on the connections between fatty acids and health. Dr. Harris, it is my great pleasure to have you on our program today. Welcome. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Greg. So you've had an extraordinary 40-year career in lipid nutrition and human health. There's so much we can talk about today, but we're really here to talk about your latest venture, the new nonprofit you launched last fall, the Fatty Acid Research Institute, or FARI. FARI will work with global scientists to accelerate the discovery of the relationships between omega-3 and human health. But before we get into that, could you please just tell us a little bit about how you first got interested in fatty acids? Oh, sure. Uh, That goes back, as you said, 40 years. I got interested in it because I was told to get interested in it by my my mentor for my postdoc, Dr. Bill Connor in Portland, Oregon. That was when I arrived there in 78. And he was very interested in the effects of, of salmon oil on blood cholesterol levels. And we knew a lot about vegetable oils and their effects on cholesterol. We knew stuff about animal fats and their effects on cholesterol. We didn't know much about fish oils. And so Dr. Connor was interested in that and he assigned me to do a project on that. That was my introduction to omega-3 because we fed people lots and lots of salmon oil and salmon. And it was a baptism by fire. So so as you gravitated through your career, I know you were the co-creator of the Omega-3 Index. And can you tell us a little bit about the Omega-3 Index, what it is, and then how it will influence your work at FARI? Sure, sure. Omega-3 Index is a blood marker of omega-3 status. Uh, We can measure it with a uh, just a drop of blood on a piece of uh, filter paper or a blood tube any way you want. Um, Basically, it's the amount of EPA and DHA contained in red blood cell membranes is expressed as a percent, like a percent of the total fatty acids that are EPA and DHA. So a typical American might have 4 or 5% of red blood cell omega-3 so fatty acids as EPA and DHA. A typical Japanese might have a 9 or 10%, so about twice as high. So it's a, a validated status marker. It tells you how the all the organs uh, in your body, really all the tissues in your body, perhaps except the brain, which is very tough to, to uh, get at, but how, uh, how much omega-3 they have on board. And 
we use that at FARI as really our principal measure of uh, when we ask the question, well, is there a relationship between a person's omega-3 blood status, tissue status, and their risk for developing a disease, X disease, fill-in-the-blank disease. Yeah. So that's it's really our key, what they call in epidemiology, our, our measure of exposure is the omega-3 level. I feel like there could be another program just specific to that one. But as I as I get back to Fari, I had mentioned that you um, work with global scientists to accelerate the discovery of relationships between omega-3s and human health. And I, I just like for you to tell us more about that. Sure. Yeah. So Fari um, was uh, something we came up with toward the end of last year. Uh, it seemed like a real need. And because there's tremendous amounts of data available from many, many studies that is just locked away in databases waiting to be mined. And it just takes somebody time to do it. And so what we decided to do was create this institute, a, a nonprofit institute that includes uh, Dr. Nathan Tinsel, really, who is the executive director. He is a biostatistician by training, and he does all of our biostat work. Uh, and that is the critical feature in all these types of studies. You've got to have a good biostatistician who can do the proper analysis to link whether, you know, omega-3 levels in the blood to risk for death from any cause, risk for COVID, risk for um, dementia, risk for heart attacks, you know, any of those diseases we can follow. So Nathan is a, a key component to our research institute. And then we have uh, several scientists who are also involved, who are um, one in Korea, one in Italy, one in Spain, one in Canada, uh, and another one in, in Iowa here in the U.S. So we are a, a global group of individuals very interested in fatty acid disease relationships. I've really enjoyed reading about Fari to this point. Maybe you can explain Fari's relevance not only for scientists and nutrition enthusiasts, but maybe for the public at large as well. Well, yeah, that's our, I think one of the challenges for us is to be able to, or for any scientist actually, to be able to communicate the importance of nutritional concepts to the public. We are, you know, whether we're good at that or not remains to be seen, but we are certainly seeking support for the, uh, the mission of our institute from anybody and everybody. Uh, we would love to find support from um, people in the industry, the omega-3 industry, because uh, what we do certainly builds a scientific case underpinning the kind of uh, products they typically sell. But uh, there's a lot of just individuals around the world who are just interested in uh, personal health now, and they want uh, to feel like they can do something to help that. And uh, we, I, I'm sure we're one of, of hundreds of organizations that are somewhat pitching uh, sort of a GoFundMe idea, which is what we're going to be launching here fairly soon for Fari. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. So, Dr. Harris, top of mind to our listeners right now is COVID-19. 
And as I understand it, people think of vitamin C, they think of vitamin D and zinc as key nutrients for healthy immune and respiratory function. But if I understand it correctly, you're investigating the role of omega-3 in COVID-19. And can you first tell us why you're exploring the role of omega-3 in COVID and then how you are doing this? Yeah, great question. The why is because we know from many other studies that the primary mechanism of action or one of the major mechanisms of action uh, of omega-3 in the body is anti-inflammatory. And the omega-3s can quiet down an inflammatory response so it doesn't get out of hand. And there's good human studies that show that. There's animal studies that show that. There's just basic biochemistry studies that show that. So there's a a deep mechanistic, I guess you call it, uh, rationale for thinking that omega-3 would help in COVID because COVID, the primary problem with COVID is not the infection as much as it is the body's excessive response to the inflammatory response to the infection. And so we think there's a reason that high omega-3 ought to be associated with lower risk for for adverse or bad outcomes with COVID. Uh, We don't know whether high omega-3 would actually prevent the infection in the first place, we don't have any rationale for that, but for people who once are infected, we think that the anti-inflammatory effects of these omega-3s would do it. And so how are we doing this study? Uh, it's the same way we do a lot of studies is we get uh, blood omega-3 index measured in people, in this case, who were admitted to a hospital with COVID. And we are partnering with a, uh, a researcher at Cedar sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles, And they have, of course, many patients with COVID. We hear about it all the time. We were able to get a, just a quick look, uh, able to get a hundred data from a hundred patients who were admitted with COVID. Um, And they were probably admitted back in the summertime. Blood samples from these patients were saved in what they call a biobank. So hospitals are storing up blood samples of people who have certain diseases for just for this type of research to be done. We were able to get a hold of those, measure the omega-3 index in those 100 samples. And then we, we looked at, uh, the, the primary thing we looked at was who died. That's a pretty simple outcome. That's one that nobody has any problem deciding whether it's, that's what happened or not. And so what we saw, and this has just been, uh, we've written a paper and we've published it online. Uh, it's waiting right now at a journal under, to get peer-reviewed but it's available for people to see what we did anyway. We found that if you you rank the 100 patients that we had omega-3 index on, you rank them into highest to lowest, and then divide them into four groups of 25, so what we call quartiles, 25% of each group, of the 100 in each group. In the highest quartile, there was one death. In the bottom three quartiles, there were 13 deaths. When we did our statistics on that and took into account the age of the people, which varied, of course, uh, age and sex, uh, we found that there was a about a 75% lower risk of dying from COVID if you had an omega-3 index in the top quartile. Now, the top quartile, the top 25%, was from value of 5.7% and higher which is pretty normal level in America. Actually, 
that's in this cohort in Los Angeles is kind of a low on average omega-3 level. But it's what we had. It's all we had to work with. And we did find that over 5.7, there was a reduction in risk. The the other way of looking at it is uh, the relative risk of dying of COVID was about four times higher if you were below 5.7%. That's a, a different way of saying it. So this was not quite statistically significant by standard routine. We Typically, we say it's under, to be statistically significant, it has to be 0.05 or less. Our value is 0.07. But we think that's, uh, for a pilot study, a preliminary look, that's a pretty good indication that there probably is something there. And we felt we wanted to get that information out to the public or really primarily to the research community so that others can pursue it as well, because we need everybody looking at this question. Wow, that is that is very interesting. I guess if we shift gears to other projects that you already have underway, I believe the health areas that FARI is already investigating are Alzheimer's disease, LDL cholesterol levels to uh, menopausal hormone therapy and prostate cancer. So on these topics, I'd love to learn a little bit more about FARI's focus in some of these areas. Yeah, uh, yeah, we do have a lot of things going. And I guess I can talk about a couple of uh, three papers that have been accepted and published so far. One, we, uh, we've done now three studies with, uh, in collaboration with the Cooper Clinic, the Cooper Institute in uh, Dallas, Texas, founded by Dr. Kenneth Cooper uh, many years, seven, you know, 50 years ago. So this is a clinic that's been very early on bought into the importance of measuring the omega-3 index in their patients. And so we have 10 years of data of people who have been to the Cooper Clinic for evaluation, health evaluations, health and fitness evaluations, and they have kept good data. And so we've asked some questions about omega-3 levels as they relate to other markers. One of them is LDL cholesterol. Um, there has been this concern floating around that people that, that take omega-3 supplements and thereby raise their omega-3 index might also raise their level of bad cholesterol, uh, the LDL cholesterol fraction in the blood. And so we tested that hypothesis within this, the Cooper group, and we found that that was not true, that people who had increases in omega-3 level between two visits actually had statistically a, a drop in LDL cholesterol. Uh, there certainly was not a rise. So that was an important finding, I think, to say that the general people who want to just take fish oil supplements just to reduce their risk for heart disease and other adverse outcomes don't need to worry about raising their LDL cholesterol by taking fish oil. It's not a problem. We also looked at a thing called heart rate recovery in the Cooper data set and have published a paper on this. And heart rate recovery is simply how fast your heart rate heads back down toward normal after you've been exercising. And so all these patients that we have blood from did a exercise treadmill test as part of their Cooper workup. And we measure again, when they get to their maximum heart rate, they stop exercising. And then we check how fast their heart rate slows down. And a very healthy heart will slow down quickly. A, A heart that's not, a person that's not in good shape and their heart is not responding as it should, will take a longer time for their heart rate to drop. So we looked at the omega-3 index as it relates to how fast the heart rate came down and found that 
yet another sign of good health with omega-3. A higher omega-3 was associated significantly with a faster drop in heart rate, which was a good thing. So those kinds of studies we've been doing uh, with Cooper. How about some possibly new things on the horizon for FARA? Are there things that you're looking forward to in the future that might be in the 2021 or 2022 calendar? Yeah, um, we're uh, real interested to look at the question of, you know, we've kind of focused on omega-3 fatty acids, but we measure 27, 28 different fatty acids when we measure the, the red blood cell fatty acid pattern. So a bigger question is, is there some pattern of fatty acids that's predictive of better outcomes, health outcomes? If, if not just the omega-3, maybe there's some others there that, that we just need to discover. Because our, our belief is that there is important health information that's contained within this pattern of fingerprint of fatty acids in a red cell. And so we are uh, looking at what we call our fingerprint study, and we're doing that within the context of the Framingham Heart Study, where we have lots of, uh, of data on, on people there. It, just early look at this, we already know that we can be as accurate in predicting who is at risk for death in the Framingham study by just looking at four fatty acids in the red cell uh, as we can if, if we know their cholesterol, their blood pressure, their diabetes status, their smoking status, uh, age, and sex. The fatty acids alone will tell us as much as all those biomarkers together, which is amazing to me. So, so anyway, that, that sort of study is being done. We're also interested kind of in the same way of comparing the omega-3 index per se to blood pressure as a predictor of cardiac outcomes, to cholesterol levels as a predictor of cardiac outcomes, to smoking as a predictor of cardiac outcomes. How, how important is a high omega-3 compared to these other risk factors that we all know and agree, blood pressure as a predictor of cardiac outcomes? to cholesterol levels as a predictor of cardiac outcomes, to smoking as a predictor of cardiac outcomes. How, how important is a high omega-3 compared to these other risk factors that we all know and agree are things that are we need to control in order to, to improve our health? So I, I want to make the point that the omega-3 level is not that it's, it's better than all these other things, but it's at least as good as then it's something people ought to be measuring. So along those lines, and what does that mean for the average citizen or consumer that is thinking about taking omega-3 in some form? Well, it means that, we just we back up, you know, what is it that determines, that raises an omega-3 index? How, how do you get an omega-3 index up in what we think is a healthy range, which is about 8%? Uh, again, typical Americans might be around 5%. So how do you get up at the 8%? Well, you have to change your eating habits or you have to change your supplementation habits because you just don't make the EPA and DHA out of thin air. You have to eat them. Uh, and the reason, for example, the Japanese have a very high level is they eat a lot of EPA and DHA. And that's that's just the, the bottom line of how you're going to improve your omega-3 index is you've got to eat more. So the average consumer, what are they going to do with a low omega-3? They're going to either if they want to improve their health, long-term health, they will start to eat more fish that are rich in EPA and DHA or, and or take a, a dietary supplement that has EPA and DHA in it. 
So with 40 plus years in your career, I'm going to ask you the question of what additional information would you like to share with our listeners about Omega-3, about Omega-Quant, and then I'd love for you to share how our listeners can find out more information about Fari. Sure. Well, I think the most important take-home message is you can manage your own. There are, there are parts of your health that you can manage yourself. You don't really need a doctor to tell you that your omega-3 level is too low. You can do it yourself. You don't need a doctor to tell you how to improve it. This is, this is nutrition we're talking about. We're not talking about medicine. And nutrition is in your control as a consumer. And so you can know what your status is and you can control it. You can do something about it. It's completely within your purview to do that. So you mentioned OmegaQuant. OmegaQuant is a laboratory I founded around 12 years ago where we measure uh, omega-3 index. We do it with dried blood spot cards, as I mentioned. Do we, do we just send out kits in the mail and people dr- pick their finger at home and put a drop of blood on their uh, the card and mail it in and we send them the omega-3 index? We do the same for vitamin D, by the way. We can measure vitamin D levels as well. So that's one way to get your omega-3 index. That's uh, We're really the only lab in the country that's offering the omega-3 index specifically. So we obviously like to have people use that service. They go to omegaquant.com to do that. Um, as far as our research institute, FARI, the URL is, um, you know, F-A-R-E-S-I-N-S-T dot com. So Fatty Acid Research Institute, abbreviated dot com. And there people can find out more information about the studies we're doing, how to support us, what projects we're working on. Well, Dr. Harris, thank you so much for being here today. I, I always love talking with you and, and I'd love to talk with you on future episodes because I think we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg with a lot of different topics today. We, yeah. uh, but, I, but I wanted to make Fari the focus because it's just fascinating. Um, the Institute that you founded and it's fascinating to me, the work you're doing. Um, and, and would you be willing to come back for a future show? Yeah, sure. Lots to talk about. Appreciate it. Great. Well, thank you so much, and thank you to our listeners today. And as always, be healthy, be well, and fight the good fight. This has been the science and the story behind Omega-3. Thanks to our sponsor, Wiley Companies. You can find them and more information about our show at wileyco.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Any statements on this podcast are the opinion of the scientific guest and or author and have not yet been evaluated by the FDA. The information we may provide to you is designed for educational purposes only is not intended to be a substitute for informed medical advice or care. This information should not be used to diagnose, treat, or prevent any health issues or conditions without consulting a healthcare professional. If you are experiencing a health issue or condition, we suggest you consult with your healthcare professional. 